Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. Why did Jesus command us to be water baptized? The most important reason for a believer to be baptized in water is because Jesus commanded it. All arguments aside, he did. He commanded it. In his great commission, Jesus instructed that all who became his disciples are to be baptized. Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Couldn't be more clear. Since every true believer chooses to obey Jesus as their Lord, no better reason can be given. If he wants me to be baptized, then I will gladly be baptized. What does the water represent? When the New Testament speaks about baptism, the word it uses indicates that people were lowered down underwater and raised up again. People argue about what is the proper mode. I don't think finally it matters, but if you simply want to be literal, I, it is rather clear to me that they were immersed uh, in the New Testament. In fact, I just saw an article where they're pretty sure they found the place where John the Baptist baptized at the Jordan River. I mean, there's all sorts of evidence in the whole thing. And uh, he certainly didn't go out and sprinkle. He immersed them there. The word baptizo means, it is used in the Greek language to talk about a piece of cloth that's plunged into a vat of dye and brought up again, saturated with that dye. It's used to speak of a ship that's been sunk in the ocean and gone to the bottom of the, of the ocean and become waterlogged. So baptizo means to plunge under and even saturate and fill. So when we baptize, we plunge under and we bring up. It's used because it describes this burial process, this, this symbolic ceremonial burial and raising again that we do. The action symbolizes burial and resurrection. The water itself represents a watery grave. We're enacting a burial. Must I be water baptized to be saved? Absolutely not. Am I clear? We are saved entirely by what? You tell me. Repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, that is all you're saved by, and no amount of any sort of ceremony, no matter how good or how beautiful or even how, how biblical, is added to that. You are saved by the faith in your heart. You repent, you turn away from your selfishness, your independence, you submit your life to Jesus Christ, you cling to his cross, and you're a born-again man or woman. Period. But water baptism is a God-ordained way to declare that faith that we hold in our heart. This is the way God said to do it. It's one of the ways. We live a life that declares it, but he said, I want you to do this. Just because it is possible to be saved without participating in this symbolic action does not mean a healthy Christian should refuse to do so any more than they would refuse to take the Lord's Supper. We certainly do not have to take the bread and cup to be saved either. But taking these powerfully builds our faith. I don't know anybody that says, well, if I don't have to be saved to take communion, I don't want to have to mess around with that. Anybody you ever knew that said that? 
We're glad to take it, aren't we? And it's a precious reminder over and over again. It just draws our faith out as, as we take this bread, the broken body of Jesus Christ, and we take the cup and, and we realize his blood shed for us in the new covenant. It's just so powerful. I, I took it this morning. Just, I love it. I love the, it just engages me with a cross. It brings me right back to Jesus over and over again. I don't say, well, I don't have to do this to be saved, so I'm not gonna do it. I'm delighted to do it. Well, in, in communion, Jesus Christ offers himself to you. He says, this is my body broken for you. He says, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He offers himself to us. We receive Jesus over and over again in communion. In water baptism, it's the other side of the equation. In water baptism, I offer myself to Jesus. Do you see that? I lay myself down in his grave and I join myself to Christ. I stand before the world and I say, I am his. I give myself to Jesus. He gives himself to us, but we must also give ourselves to him. And this is the, the God-ordained way to start that process, is to offer myself without reservation to Jesus Christ. Likewise, if a believer understands the meaning of baptism, it'll be one of the most important moments in their life. It will always serve to remind them of their decision to follow Jesus. How many can remember your baptism? Just goes right into that memory bank, doesn't it? It's a precious moment. You, 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 you remember that moment. You'll never forget it. It's one of those powerful things in our whole life. We don't want to deny people that. And I say this because the modern American church has downplayed it. Do you know a lot of churches don't even mess with communion now? That stuns me. And I, what it says to me is the poor pastor hasn't got enough theology to put in a thimble. They have no clue why they're doing it. So they just discard it. And I think the same thing's true with water baptism. And I have to say, I haven't really made a strong case for it and really just insisted. Got so busy. Hoped you would. Said we oughta. It wasn't until last spring where the Lord really began to deal with us. And we had, a, we had a list of people that we hadn't been able to baptize because the, the tank was gone. And so as that built up, we said, well, we better have a Sunday night baptismal service just to catch up all of these people. We used to do it in the services. And when, what, what happened surprised us. The Lord really showed up. The Lord really approved of what happened. And so we've continued just because the Lord liked it. People came, we had a lot of people, many family and friends, and we allowed for testimony. We laid hands, we really took time. We worshiped some, we talked about the meaning of water baptism. It was a powerful evening. And then there was a reception afterwards and people put on the name tags and, and those that, some people had taken uh, notes and, and had scriptures or prophetic word and would go share with those who'd been baptized. It was like a high school graduation or something. It was, it was powerful. I, eyes were sparkling and, and faces were radiant. God had done something remarkable and I came out of there going, I just learned a lesson. I don't know how I missed this. And ever since then, we've had, we have not baptized less than 20 people at a time. And God has been moving very, very powerfully using water baptism. And I'm, I'm watching one person that I know 
who has been a Christian ostensibly all these years, and, and I wouldn't have questioned that she was. And yet after her baptism, she's just lit up like a, like a torch. She's, she's different. She's on fire. She's just a different woman. Something happened. See, I've just downplayed it. I thought, I've almost had that same thinking. Well, this is, a, this is a ceremony. You don't have to do it to get saved. And so, I mean, and yet something powerful happens in water baptism. And, I've not, and I just apologize in any way if I've denied it from you or been casual about it. Uh, I should never have done that. I wasn't that way when I was young, and I don't intend to be that way when I'm old. What inward decisions am I declaring by water baptism? There are at least four important statements being made when a person is baptized. Read that first one out loud with me, if you would. I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Say it again. I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Being a true Christian is not simply having a little faith hidden away somewhere in the back of our hearts. It requires a radical decision to follow Jesus Christ. Though some people try to soften the demands of Jesus, anyone who honestly reads the Gospels will recognize he requires that we follow him openly. He said, For whoever is ashamed of me in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory. On another occasion he said, Therefore whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father. Those are unavoidable words, aren't they? I can't get away from those words. I just realize he means me to sell out. Water baptism, one of the first things you're saying is I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I am one. As it were, we're coming out of the closet. There's nothing, there's nothing sadder than these funerals where we're burying somebody and the family is scratching their head and trying to determine if dear so-and-so was a Christian. And I've seen this more times than I want to count. And they're saying, well, I think that so-and-so may have received the Lord, uh, uh, you know, aunt so-and-so says he received the Lord when he was 15. Now, I hadn't said a word about it all these years, but maybe he would go to heaven. Now, I want you to know that's pathetic. If you're a Christian, say so. If you're a believer, for heaven's sakes, tell your family. Why would you hold on to the way to heaven and not tell your loved ones? There is no logic in it. Now, I understand that family are delicate matters. I'm, I'm in my own delicate situations, okay? However, however, we mustn't be silent and hide who we are. And so there's ways to be tasteful and thoughtful about it, but there's times when you just have to say something. I'm going down to, another, to, to a set of meetings in Los Angeles, and I'm an uncle. I have two uncles actually down there. One of them I'm still really struggling with. But this one, I'm, go I'm going to go early just so I can go and have dinner with my uncle. Mary's going with me. We're going to try to pull Andrew into this. He goes to school down there. I baptized my aunt years ago, and my uncle was there, and he watched, and he, he, he said he sort of believed it. And I think he does, but you know, it didn't fair to let him come toward his, his passing and not have done what I could, even if it offends him. I'll try not to offend him. 
but I would rather offend him than lose him. And so I'm praying. I'm kind of already laying down just a prayer foundation for that, for that appointment when I need to talk to my uncle and just make sure. He may be fine. He may, he may assure me he's just fine. He doesn't, he's a fine man. It's not about his character. He's a great man in terms of character. But I got to make sure he knows where he is with Jesus Christ. So we are not ashamed, but whoever denies me, he says, I will deny him before my father. By these statements, he certainly means we are to live lives that are openly identified with him. Water baptism is a way of saying we are beginning such a life. By it, we are openly telling the world we are not ashamed of him and will die for our faith if necessary. Number two, say that out loud with me. I surrender my life to become his disciple. You see, it's the initiation. It's the declaration. I believe the new birth is the infusion. The spirit comes in you. When you receive Jesus Christ, your spirit and the Holy Spirit are joined into one like a husband and wife are wed and become one flesh. The Spirit of the Lord joins your spirit and you too become married, as it were, joined in a covenant and a deep oneness with you and the Lord. Christ says, I and my Father will come and we'll make our abode in you. He comes in us. In water baptism, we make our declaration. We have our infusion, then we make our declaration, and in baptism in the Holy Spirit, we have our ordination. We are ordained with power for the ministry calling that's on our life. This is our declaration. And we're declaring above all things, I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I'm His. The Bible says the life we live now isn't our own, but that we have been bought with a price. You see, that's what in the American church right now, the message is, you can have God help you get rich. If you haven't made it in some business venture or, or gambling, why don't you try spiritual technique? You might find that you can pray certain prayers and get what you couldn't get with the lotto. And so there's this greed, it's feeding greed. And we encourage people to add God to their repertoire and see if, if he will give them the stuff they want and make them powerful or popular or fulfill their desires. It's totally self-oriented. God will come in and help me with my aspirations and my goals. And that's completely reversed. It's 180 degrees wrong. When you become a Christian, you become his servant, not he yours. And the promises you read in the Bible are with the understanding he's talking to disciples and saying, as you go in my service, ask what you will and you'll get it. You set your mind on the kingdom of God and I will provide financially and resourcefully all you need. You don't have to worry. You just go. I'll be there. All of those promises assume our hearts are right. That we're devoted servants of Jesus Christ. And when you're a devoted servant of Jesus Christ, you ask what you will and it'll be done for you. Boom, just like that. But it's not intended for greedy, self-oriented people to pull out some little mystical promise and then read it like an incantation and get what they want. So, this statement of water baptism, I die to my old life, I rise to a new life of service and discipleship of Jesus Christ. 
I give myself to him. Jesus said, every person who follows him must decide whether or not eternal life is worth more than all the riches and pleasures of this world. That is the big question on the table. That is the clear meaning of his parables about the hidden treasure and pearl of great price. Such surrender to Jesus will always lead to a life of selfless sacrifice and may even bring persecution or death. So by, I begin my Christian life by saying, I have chosen to deny myself and take up my cross daily and follow him. Thirdly, I have died with Christ. Here is an amazing truth. My decision to die with Jesus Christ by faith is accepted in the spiritual world as my literal physical death. The old me is considered by God to be dead and buried, literally as if you had died. And since his laws, which are good and righteous, but get me in trouble because I don't obey them, his laws only have the power to judge a person who is alive, sentencing those who sin to death. The wages of sin is what? Death. That's the penalty of my, of my sin. Once I have died, the law's authority has ended. It can do no more. You can only kill a person once. This is why there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Really wanted you to get a hold of this. This is a powerful statement in baptism. I am laying myself down, and not into just a grave, not any old grave. I'm laying myself down into what grave? Come on. Come on. Jesus' grave. Years ago, I wrote a, just a simple poem, and it, it ain't much, but it, it, it means something to me. Two men lay buried in one man's grave. One man a king, the other just a slave. Two men rose from that grave set free. One man was Jesus, the other man me. Two men lay buried, say that with me, two men lay buried in one man's grave. Do you see that? One man a king, the other just a slave. You are literally laid into the grave of Jesus Christ. He doesn't simply die for you. Listen to this. You die with him by faith. And so for your sins, the punishment is death. And indeed you do die. But you die by faith. You die joining Christ. You join him in his death. He is your representative. He dies on your behalf. And by faith, that becomes your death. And now the only thing that, that is touched by sin that can't be, hasn't been, been totally escaped, death, is your physical flesh. But your spirit and your personality and you are completely untouched by death. You simply pass through it, the body falls off, and you are alive and joyous and conscious in the presence of the Lord. And then at the coming of the Lord, you will be resurrected even as he is resurrected. Now I'm going to tell you a secret. I personally think that the Shroud of Turin is real. I've read about this a good deal. Somebody gave me a large book on the thing, a whole scientific examination of what has been found and hasn't been. And I'm convinced it's real. And what you have there is this strange thing where this image has been literally flashed onto this 
onto this fabric and it has not been painted on or anything else, all the scientists can finally say is we don't know what caused it. We haven't a clue what would do this. Even some of the debunking has been proved to have been false. Something happened so that this body emitted so much energy like an explosion that the image was literally blasted onto the cloth. When Jesus rose from the grave, he didn't, he didn't kind of wake up slowly going, oh, man, ooh, oh, oh. <laughs> and work his way to the, to the stone, you know, oh. <clears throat> A little help here, please, from the angels, you know. When he rose from the dead, it was like a, a, a small nuclear explosion. Boom! He was alive. Literally flashed his image onto the, onto the cloth. And he rose up well and strong. That's the resurrection you are part of. The Bible says if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he will quicken your mortal bodies. So who's in here? That power that raised Christ, that blasted him out of that, that blew the, the stone off the door, that resurrection life is in us. I have died with Christ. The old me is considered by God to be dead and buried and his laws and power to judge a person is gone. Now get a hold of this for a minute. This is why there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's almost scary. The law no longer has any power to judge you. You say, wait a minute. Does that mean... Does that mean? Well, it almost does. You're not under judgment by, in faith any, anymore. You say, well, I can do anything I want. Yes, you can. But now that you're a Christian, what you want to do, as certainly as you get your head on straight, is you want to obey God. And so the wonderful gospel of this is, not that you and I can sin, the wonderful gospel is that we are now have our, our mind transformed by the, by the word and we in our obedience have the power because of the spirit who dwells within us to live a brand new life. You see, as long as we sow bad seed, we get bad harvest. Grace means you go to heaven by faith. But you don't just want grace in the sense of just go to heaven, do you? You'd like the blessings of God in the, in, in the here and now. You'd like God to bless your marriage. You'd like God to bless your children. You'd like God to bless your finances. You'd like God to, to bless your ministry. You'd like the Lord to lay his hand on your life and use it powerfully, wouldn't you? Well, that comes out of obedience. You sow good seed, you get a good harvest. You sow bad seed, you get a bad harvest. And so now with new hearts and obedient hearts as sons and daughters of the living God, we take his word and we follow it insofar as we're able and we walk in faith with him and suddenly everything starts changing. I love watching families. I had a, a young man come up to me and he says, I got eight brothers and sisters and nobody's saved. I said, give it time. Because I don't know how many of your families are, have been just the same way. You're the only Christian in the whole family. Ten years later, you've got a choir. 
One after the other, a family. I watched that. One, gospel enters through one person and through patient, loving prayer. And, and it's not easy. Sometimes it's 20 years. But people after people begin to be drawn to Jesus Christ. And he redeems. Power within us. It's brand new. You are free now. You sow good seed and it transforms your marriage and your family and everything else. I was at a dinner. My two daughters are both married in the same month that uh, Mary and I are married in August. And, and uh, so we all decided to have a, a kind of an anniversary dinner together. We went down to a restaurant in Seattle. And, and as we sat there at the table, we included Andrew, by the way. He's not married yet. But we, we, as we sat there, one of my sons-in-law just looked at the family and he said, the blessing on this family is amazing. And he wasn't, it wasn't a proud statement. It was just standing back and going, the evidence of God's faithful hand on this family is remarkable. And I think the same thing very often. I just see it there. It doesn't mean we're without any problems, but I want you to know he is a faithful God. And when you and I walk with him, you want his blessing. You want it more than anything. There's not, a, there's not a price amount. You'd never, ever do anything to lose the blessing of God. That's the one thing you want. When you have the blessing of God on your household and everything you touch, it just, it's just what you want. It's what you're looking for. Believers have already died with Christ. The penalty of sin has been paid. Therefore, in water baptism, I declare that my sinful past is buried forever. Is that good news? Don't ever let the devil bring that back and say, well, you've done these things. You just remember it's buried with Christ. It's gone. Number four, out loud, I have risen from the dead with Christ. Baptism requires two symbolic actions. First, we are lowered down into a grave, but second, we are raised up again. This raising up, Rising up declares that we will be resurrected from the dead at the end of this age. Just as I join Christ in his death, I will also join him in his resurrection. But I don't have to wait for that day for the power of his resurrection to begin working in me. The Holy Spirit immediately enters every believer and joins himself to our spirit. His presence in me means I am free from the old forces that once controlled me. I now have the power to live a brand new life. Not only have I died to God's judgment, but I have died to the power of sin. It can't control a corpse. Romans 6. So in water baptism, I have the joy of burying my old ways of life. I can boldly say I am a new creature in Christ. I'm agreeing with Jesus when he said, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I've already really amplified those points. Last couple of points. Should children be baptized? This is a very sensitive subject since many people have been taught that water baptism is necessary for salvation. Numerous denominations teach that. I, I talked to one pastor of one such denomination years ago. He was a good man. But I said, tell me this. Let me put out a hypothetical case. Let's suppose that two children are born, twins. One is water baptized immediately. The other is not, but both twins die after a week of life. Is there a difference in their eternal destiny? And he said, yes, there is. One goes to heaven and one goes to hell. Now that is the thinking. Basically, that is the bottom line on this issue. The thinking is that water is actually carries with it regenerative power. 
that not until you are baptized are you really saved. The water transfers the, ba- the salvation uh, and makes it real. Now, I don't believe that. I believe that the issue is faith in the heart. I believe that children, of course, are in, in a believing household are under the covenant of God by the faith of their parents. They are blessed as believers. They will have to ratify their own faith as they grow to adulthood, but they are treated as believers and blessed with the blessings of God uh, because they're in your house. One parent, by the way, is all it takes. One believing parent, that's 1 Corinthians. I list it for you, 7.14. If that were true, that baptism were necessary, then obviously we would want to baptize a child as soon as possible. But since it is not true, and since baptism is meant to be the outward expression of a person's inward faith, then it's best to wait until a child is old enough to make the decisions that water baptism represents so that they are making those statements. I die with Christ. I rise with Christ. I surrender myself to his discipleship. And in my opinion, until a child's in its teens and becomes a youth, I don't think they really understand the cost of what it means. And so when we baptize children early, we find they often want to be baptized again when they hit their teenage years and have understood more deeply what it means uh, for them. One of my children was baptized at age 21. I did not force any of my children to be baptized until they were personally choosing it, personally ready. Their salvation did not hinge on that, but their discipleship did, in my opinion. The Bible says that before children are old enough, To choose Christ for themselves, they are blessed by God because of the faith of at least one parent. So at Northwest Church, we prefer to wait until a child is at least 12 years of age. That is actually our denominational uh, standard before baptizing them. However, recognizing that some children mature spiritually earlier than others, an optional class for those aged 9 through to 12 was offered in which we will teach them about baptism and discern whether the child is ready to be baptized. I know, and some of you will tell me, I was baptized when I was six years of age. Pastor, it was powerful, it was meaningful. I, I, I was a Christian from that day forward. It was real, and I have no doubt of that. But I would say you are by and large the exception. I know that happens. There are pro- spiritually precocious people. Some people grow early. And they develop early in their walk with God. It's very real. They understand intuitively these deep things and they mean every word of it, even as a child. And I am not berating or belittling that at all. But what I'm saying is many children don't. And they really haven't understood what they're saying or what they're engaging in. And so I want the child to be old enough to know that when they're making such a statement, we're not making it for them but they are out of their hearts saying, I offer myself to a life of service of Jesus Christ. They need, it's only fair to the child. Should I be baptized more than once? This question is particularly asked by those who were previously baptized as infants. Our belief is that infant baptism says more about the parent's faith than the child's. So when that person becomes an adult, it is best to be baptized so they can express their own faith without any thought of rejecting their parents' faith, which had them baptized as an infant. In fact, a person in this situation should see themselves as fulfilling the hope their parents had for them. This becomes the tension. I personally was water baptized as an infant. So 
I, I understand. And, but to my mind, it is not a rejection of my parents or what they prayed for me, for me to be, have been baptized as an adult. Your parents are, by baptizing you, saying, I want this baby to grow up to be a Christian. I want this baby part of the household of God. And so it is not a conflict. I don't have to say, well, I reject that. I reject that whole business. I can, in fact, I don't think it's healthy to say that. You don't do that to your parents. <laughs> you just do not do that to your parents spiritually. So you honor them. You say, Lord, they were making a pledge for me, but now that I'm old enough to understand, now that I can choose, I ratify, I agree with their desires and their longing for me. I confess Jesus Christ even as they pledged that I would. I've even taught, you know, you get into the denominations that have infant baptism and they'll have a catechism class, usually 12 or 13 years of age. I've even taught such classes. And you're taking the child and explaining to them then the realities of what their Christianity is and they by faith sort of lay hold of their infant baptism. You may ask me and say, well, if I was infant baptized, is that enough? Well, I would say to you, I think it's better that you are baptized as a believer and confirm that. Would I force you to? No. If this is a strong issue for you and you say, I am not going to renounce my infant baptism, but I'm going to, I understand now that it means I die with Christ, I rise with Christ, I surrender to his discipleship. I understand what it means and, I'm, and I just, retroactively as it were, I affirm all of that and believe that's what my baptism represented. I'm not going to argue with you because the issue's in the heart. The issue's in the heart. It's not how the water's applied, it's that the heart is right. But the water is a way of our expressing that. There are also people who wish to be baptized again, even though they were adults when first baptized, because they feel they did not really appreciate the meaning of what they were doing. Some people have baptized and said, I, yeah, I was baptized as an adult, but I just did it because they made me or somebody did it to me. And I didn't have a clue what it meant. And now that you've explained it or I've really given my life to Jesus, now I'm, I know I'm born again. I wasn't a churchgoer, but I wasn't really born again. And now that I am, I want to be water baptized. In these cases, we are usually willing to rebaptize that person. But even as we do so, we keep in mind that water baptism is not intended to be repeated. By its nature, it is something we normally do once. So water baptism, you don't... We take communion anytime you want it. You don't baptize repeatedly. Baptism is an initiation. It's a, it's a declaration. It's a starting point. And so if you felt I didn't have a clean start here and I want to establish one now, well, we can go with that. But you don't get baptized over and over again. Your baptism stands. So when we have a baptismal service here, all of us, I think, as we watch men and women being baptized, are remembering our own. And as we see them make those beautiful declarations, our hearts are saying, yeah, I'm baptized too. I said that too. I, you know, and we, we, we just strengthen it as we celebrate with others who are being water baptized. Well, how should I prepare to be water baptized? As we've seen, it's important to understand what baptism represents before being baptized. The power of this beautiful ceremony is released when we're truly expressing the faith which is in our hearts just being plunged into water is meaningless without such faith. This is why we ask each person to take a class or meet with a pastor beforehand. We want it to be a day you'll never forget. I want you to understand how to minister it and why. 
But let me ask this question right now. And let's just bow our heads a minute. This is kind of a, a, pro, a question, a private matter. Anybody today would say, as I listen to you, Pastor, I realize I need to be water baptized. Maybe it's one of those things that you just didn't think it was that important. You knew that we were saved by faith and you just started thought, well, it's a ceremony and I don't want to get my hair wet. I don't want to sit there drenched in front of people or I, I'm shy. You, you know this, I, I'm shy too. But there's a moment when you have to come out of the closet. There's a moment when you have to stand. Jesus says, I want you to stand before the world. I want you to own me. I don't want you ashamed of me. My history was I baptized in public places wherever I could. This is as, as discreet as I know how to be, this, this, this tank. I would rather take you out on a public beach. I've baptized at La Jolla Beach on 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. We had people gaping at us. I baptized in Mission Bay. I baptized up on a lake in Deception Pass. Whenever I could, I got out in front of people and embarrassed us all. So that when you stood there in front of the world, in front of the principalities and powers and wickedness in the high places, you just stood there and said, I am one. I am not ashamed. There's, there's something to that that enters you into the real Christian life. It's not a hidden thing. It's not a little private thing. You've joined an army. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. And somebody may say, I've been afraid to or shy to, but, it's, but as I'm talking now, you realize, I need to do that. I, and I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. If you haven't been water baptized, I wish you would be. I wish you would be. Right now with Ted's bowed, who, who says, I, I know I need to be baptized. I haven't been, and I want to be. Or when I was, I didn't have a clue what it meant. And, and I need to make those statements by, my, by real faith. Raise your hands. Yes, praise God. Hallelujah. Hold them up. Just hold them up for a minute. Raise them and hold them up. This is, this is a wonderful moment. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I thank you. Lord, you're, laying, you're, you're, you're repairing the breach. You're, you're drawing and finishing work in each of our lives. You're adding things that are missing. And I thank you for those with their hands up right now. Lord, that you're going to do a, a wonderful work. I don't care if they've been a believer, a real believer for 50 years. This is, this is something that's getting sealed right now. This is a declaration we're making and it's an obedience. Out of nothing more, we're simply saying, you said do it, we're doing it, our Lord. We're doing it. And I pray for your great blessing and, your, and just that this will be in each hand raised right now. This will be a powerful and a precious moment. And all that freeing, all that love, something wonderful will happen because we've obeyed a disciple's call. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can put your hands down. One more question. Somebody today, you've been baptized, and it was a, it was a real baptism, but even as I went through that list of things, something touched you and you said, I, I need to say that. I, I didn't understand maybe that I was really publicly declaring I'm not ashamed or I surrender my life as a disciple. I just knew I had to do it for membership in a church. I didn't understand I was selling out. But I do now and I, I just want to affirm I am selling out. I have sold out. He's my Lord and Savior and you just need to confess that or I've died with Christ and my sins are buried. And they're gone forever. 
I've risen from the dead. I'm full of the Holy Spirit, a resurrection power. I am free. I am free indeed. Anybody need to just say, I, one of those things uh, touched me and I've, I need to declare it today, as it were, reaffirming that in my baptism that was being said. Who needs to raise your hand and say, I'm making a declaration right now. Go ahead, raise your hands. If there's something there that touched your heart and you need to just make that, as it were, retroactive to your baptism to just say, this is what I meant. When I was baptized, I, I received that. Hallelujah. Go ahead, hold your hands up. Keep them up. Praise you, Savior. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your work right now. Just keep them up before the Lord. Father, for every hand raised, for every brother and sister, as this heartfelt response right now is going on, we do confess. We confess, I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Church, say that. I am not ashamed of Jesus We confess, I surrender my life to become his disciple. I have died with Christ. I have risen from the dead with Christ. Lord, we bless you right now for our baptism, for our declaration, our initiation, our enlistment into the army of God. We are yours. From this day forward, we walk in fresh commitment to our baptism. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.